Hello everybody, it's me, Auntie, and I hope you guys are all doing well. I could see spring is on its way. If you've looked, um, here in Canada, winter seems to be coming to an end. And if you look up in the trees, you'll see the leaf buds beginning to form. So that means in due time, they're going to be fully bloomed and flowers are going to begin to bloom and it is just going to warm up and be summer. And hopefully, 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 hopefully this year we can all go back to normal with our barbecues and family events and just being with loved ones. I know some people are reunited with their grandparents, which is absolutely wonderful because I can only imagine how much you miss them, you know, but I hope you're still trying your best to keep your spirits up till then because it won't, it shouldn't be much longer. So today I thought I would do some fun facts about where a lot of black people are populated here in Canada. Now, I guess according to black history in Canada, Nova Scotia has the largest black population of the Atlantic provinces and is the fifth largest black population in Canada. Um, and that's due to um, the Trelawney Maroons from Jamaica and the black loyalist and the American Revolution. And we've discussed this where the freedom um, boat came and brought them to Nova Scotia to, um, to build new lives. And then um, the province of Quebec is the second largest of black population of people in Canada. And um, Ontario is more, let's see. I think Ontario is number one, um, is the home to more than half of the black population in Canada. Um, and then I guess the quickest building the um, where, um, where the black population is building the fastest is Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. Now I'm from Alberta, but I'm first generation. So my parents met in Alberta and had us there but a lot of them it's it, and according to here it says that um that the black population it, it is a lot of first generation and so a lot of them can trace their roots from who from america or um trace their roots from the caribbean and africa and those those places um but most of the most of the population does come from America to whoever did come from America mainly went to Alberta and Saskatchewan, you know, and then the black population, British Columbia almost doubled between 1996 and 2016. So that's amazing. You know, that, um, that the population is getting bigger and bigger and, you know, and I know being first generation Canadian, now my children are second generation and my grandchildren will be third generation. So we're now building um, our Canadian generations at this time. So what generation are you? Are you first? Are you second? Are you third? Or has your family always lived in Canada? 
it'd be good to find out. Always talk to your people and learn, right? So today's story is an African tale. And what I like about this is this book is huge. It takes two people to hold it. It is so big. And it, and it did. It took me, I had to lay it out. I couldn't even hold it because it's so big. It kept flopping and knocking me in my head. So, <laughs> but it's an actual beautiful book. I will post a picture. Um, now that my Instagram's working again, I will post a picture of this book. You can, I found this book um, on bookoutlet.ca and got it for like $3. So if you like big books and I, and I and you know when I really like a book I always recommend it for your shelf I recommend this book not only for a good read but the pictures because it's such a big book the pictures are beautiful and huge and lifelike and the story is beautiful and lifelike and honestly I if I could I probably would take out some of these pictures and frame them. They're so beautiful, right? But I don't want to ruin the book, so I won't. But again, these are, this this book's amazing. And it also was read, if you've ever heard of Reading Rainbow, it was read on Reading Rainbow. So, you know, it's it's a really great, great book. So if you want to take, want a, a copy like this, you know what, even let me know. And I would personally send you a copy of it. Okay, so here we go. Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, an African tale retold by John Stipolte. A long time ago in a certain place in Africa, a small village lay across river and half a day's journey from a city where a great king lived. A man named Mufaro lived in the village with his two daughters, who were called Manyara and Naisha. Everyone agreed that Manyara and Naisha were very beautiful. Manyara was almost always in a bad temper. She teased her sister whenever their father's back was turned, and she had been heard to say, Someday, Naisha, I will be queen, and you will be a servant in my household. If that should come to pass, Naisha responded, we'll be pleased to serve you. But why do you say such things? You are clever and strong and beautiful. Why are you so unhappy? Because everyone talks about how kind you are, and they praise everything you do, Manyara replied. I'm certain that fathers loves you best. But when I am queen, everyone will know that your silly kindness is only weakness. Aisha was sad that Manyara felt that way, but she ignored her sister's words and went about her chores. Naisha kept a small plot of land on which she grew millet, sunflower, yams, and vegetables. She always sang as she worked, and some said it was her singing that made her crops more bountiful than anyone else's. One day, 
Naisha noticed a small garden snake resting beneath a yam vine. Good day, little Nikwa, she, she called to him. You are welcome here. You will keep away any creatures who might spoil my vegetables. She bent forward, gave the little snake a loving pat on the head, and then returned to her work. From that day on, Nayoka was always Naisha's side when she tended to her garden. It was said that she sang all the more sweetly when he was there. Mufaro knew nothing of how Manyara treated Naisha. Naisha was too considerate of her father's feelings to complain, and Maniara was always careful to behave herself when Mufaro was around. Early one morning, a messenger from the city arrived. The great king wanted a wife. The most worthy and beautiful daughters in the land are invited to appear before the king, and he will choose one to become queen. The messenger proclaimed. Mufara called Manyara and Naisha to him. It would be a great honor to have one of you chosen, he said. Prepare yourselves to journey to the city. I will call together all our friends to make a wedding party. We will leave tomorrow as the sun rises. But my father, Manyara said sweetly, it would be painful for either of us to leave you, even to be a wife to the king. I know Nayasha would grieve to death if she were parted from you. I am strong. Send me to the city and let poor Nayasha be happy here with you. Mafaro beamed with pride. The king has asked for the most worthy and the most beautiful. No, Manyara, I cannot send you alone. Only a king can choose between two such worthy daughters. Both of you must go. That night, when everyone was asleep, Manyara stole quietly out of the village. She had never been in the forest at night before, and she was frightened, but her greed to be the first to appear before the king drove her on. In her hurry, she almost stumbled over a small boy who suddenly appeared standing in the path. Please, said the boy, I am hungry. Will you give me something to eat? I have brought only enough for myself, Manyara replied. But please, said the boy, I am so hungry. Out of my way, boy. Tomorrow I will become your queen. How dare you stand in my path? After traveling for what seemed to be a great distance, Manyara came to a small clearing. There silhouetted against the moonlight was an old woman seated on a large stone. The old woman spoke. I will give you some advice, Manyara. Soon after you pass the place where two paths cross, you will see a grove of trees. They will laugh at you. You must not laugh in return. Later, you will meet a man with his head under his arm. You must be polite to him. How do you know my name? How dare you advise your future queen? Stand aside, you ugly old woman. Manyara scolded and then rushed on her way without looking back. Just as the old woman had foretold, Manyara came to a grove of trees, and they did indeed seem to be laughing at her. I must be calm, Manyara thought. I will not be frightened. 
She looked up at the trees and laughed out loud. I laugh at you trees, she shouted, and she hurried on. It was not yet dawn when Miniana heard the sound of rushing water. The river must be ahead, she thought. The great city is just on the other side. But there on the rise she saw a man with his head tucked under his arm. Maniara ran past him without speaking. A queen acknowledges only those who please her, she said to herself. I will be queen, I will be queen, she chanted as she hurried on toward the city. Naisha woke at first light of dawn. As she put on her finest garments, she thought how her life might be changed forever beyond this day. I'd much prefer to live here, she admitted to herself. I'd hate to leave the village and never see my father or sing to little Naikoa again. Her thoughts were interrupted by loud shouts and commotion from the wedding party assembled outside. Manyara was missing. Everyone bustled around, searching and calling for her. When they found her footprints on the path that led to the city, they decided to go on as planned. As the wedding party moved through the forest, brightly plumbed birds darted about in the cool green shadows beneath the trees. Though anxious about her sister, Nyasha was soon filled with excitement about all there was to see. There were deep in the forest when she saw the small boy standing by the side of the path. You must be hungry, she said, and handed him a yam he, she had brought for her lunch. The boy smiled and disappeared as quietly as he had come. Later, as they were approaching the place where the two paths crossed, the old woman appeared and silently pointed the way to the city. Nyasha thanked her and gave her a small pouch filled with sunflower seeds. The sun was high in the sky when the party came to the grove of towering trees. Their uppermost branches seemed to bow down to Nyasha as she passed beneath them. At last, someone announced that they were near their destination. Nyasha ran ahead and topped the rise before the others could catch up with her. She, sh she stood transfixed as her first sight of the city. Oh, my father, she called. A great spirit must stand guard here. Just look at what lies before us. I never in all my life dreamed there could be anything so beautiful. Arm in arm. Nyasha and her father descended the hill, crossed the river, and approached the city gate. Just as they entered through the great doors, the air was rent by piercing cries, and Manyara ran wildly out of the, a chamber at the center of the enclosure. When she saw Nyasha, she fell upon her sobbing. Do not go to the king, my sister. Oh, please, Father, do not let her go, she cried hysterically. There's a great monster there, a snake with five heads. He said that he knew all my faults and that I displeased him. He would have swallowed me alive if I had not run. Oh, my sister, please do not go inside that place. It frightened Nyasha to see her sister so upset. But leaving her father to comfort Manyara, she bravely made her way 
to the chamber and opened the door. On the seat of great chief's stool lay the little garden snake. Nyasha laughed with relief and joy. My little friend, she exclaimed, it's such a pleasure to see you. But why are you here? I am the king, Nyoka replied. And there before Nyasha's eye, the garden snake changed shape. I am the king. I am also the hungry boy with whom you shared a yam in the forest and the old woman to whom you made a gift of sunflower seeds. But you know me best as Nyoka because I have been all of these. I know you will be the most worthy and most beautiful daughter in the land. It would make me very happy if you would become my wife. And so it was that, a long time ago, Nyesha agreed to be married. The king's mother and sisters took Nyesha to their house, and the wedding preparations began. The best weavers in the land laid out their finest cloth for her wedding garments. Villagers from all around were invited to the celebration, and a great feast was held. Naisha prepared the bread for the wedding feast from millet that had been brought from her village. Mufaro proclaimed to all who would hear him that he was the happiest father in all the land, for he was blessed with two beautiful and worthy daughters, Naisha the queen and Mayana, a servant in the queen's household. the end. Didn't I tell you that was a beautiful story? You know, one thing I love about the father is he loves his daughters unconditionally, whether they're mean or, or not. And he found them both very beautiful. And it also teaches somebody that there's nothing wrong with being kind to others, whether she was kind to a snake. Now, I would run away from a snake, but she just loved everybody and talked to everybody. And she, if she saw somebody was hungry, she was willing to, to feed them. And that just proves that if you do kind things and don't worry about people being mean or whatever, she loved her sister, even though her sister could be cruel and mean, good things happen to you. It, it, it will always happen to you because people who are, who treat everybody unkindly and, and, bully eventually they get theirs in the end they they don't live a happy life they live unhappily and that's why I always tell you count your blessings because it keeps you happy it keeps you vibrant and it keeps you always being kind to others so that you continue having all these blessings anyways that's it for me today and I will be back next week so for now I am proud to be black because black looks good on me and it looks good on you too. You guys take care. Bye for now.